Section 18 of The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 6. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by M. J. Frank. The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 6. By Anonymous. Translated by Richard Francis Burton. Section 18. When it was the five hundred and eighty-second night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that the prince, when addressed by the daughter of King Al-Tayyik, who said to him, When I saw thee I longed for life, was smitten with ruth and grief for her, and took her up on his courser's crupper, saying, Be of good cheer, and keep thine eyes cool and clear. For, if Allah, extolled and exalted be he, restore me to my people and family, I will send thee back to thine own folk. Then he rode on, praying for deliverance, and presently the damsel said to him, O oh, king's son, set me down, that I may do an occasion under this wall. So he drew bridle, and she alighted. He waited for her a long while, as she hid herself behind the wall, and she came forth with the foulest of favors, which, when he saw, his hair stood on end, and he quaked for fear of her, and he turned deadly pale. Then she sprang upon his steed, behind him, wearing the most loathly of aspects, and presently she said to him, O king's son, what ails thee that I see thee troubled and thy favor changed? I have bethought me of somewhat that troubles me. Seek aid against it of thy father's troops and his braves. He whom I fear careth not for troops, neither can braves affright him aid thyself against him with thy father's monies and treasures he whom i fear will not be satisfied with wealth ye hold that ye have in heaven a god who seeth and is not seen and is omnipotent and omniscient yes we have none but him then pray thou to him haply he will deliver thee from me thine enemy so the king's son raised his eyes to heaven and began to pray with his whole heart, saying, O oh my God, I implore thy succor against that which troubleth me. Then he pointed to her with his hand, and she fell to the ground, burnt black as charcoal. Therewith he thanked Allah and praised him, and ceased not to fare forwards. And the Almighty, extolled and exalted be he, of his grace made the way easy to him, and guided him into the right road, so that he reached his own land and came upon his father's capital after he had despaired of life. Now all this befell by the contrivance of the wazir who travelled with him, to the end that he might cause him to perish on the way. But Almighty Allah succoured him. And this, said the damsel, have I told thee, O king, 
that thou mayest know that wicked wazirs deal not honestly by nor counsel with sincere intent their kings wherefore be thou wise and ware of them in this matter the king gave ear to her speech and bade put his son to death but the third wazir came in and said to his brother ministers i will warrant you from the king's mischief this day and going in to him kissed the ground between his hands and said o king i am thy true counsellor and solicitous for thee and for thine estate and indeed i read thee the best of read it is that thou hasten not to slay thy son the coolth of thine eyes and the fruit of thy vitals haply his sin is but a slight slip which this damsel hath made great to thee and indeed i have heard tell that the people of two villages once destroyed one another because of a drop of honey asked the king how was that and the wazir answered saying know o king that i have heard this story anent the drop of honey a certain hunter used to chase wild beasts in wold and one day he came upon a grotto in the mountains where he found a hollow full of bees honey so he took somewhat thereof in a water skin he had with him and throwing it over his shoulder carried it to the city followed by a hunting dog which was dear to him he stopped at the shop of an oilman and offered him the honey for sale and he bought it then he emptied it out of the skin that he might see it and in the act a drop fell to the ground whereupon the flies flocked to it and a bird swooped down upon the flies now the oilman had a cat which sprang upon the bird and the huntsman's dog seeing the cat sprang upon it and slew it whereupon the oilman sprang upon the dog and slew it and the huntsman in turn sprang upon the oilman and slew him now the oilman was of one village and the huntsman of another and when the people of the two places heard what had passed they took up arms and weapons and rose one on another in wrath and the two lines met nor did the sword leave to play amongst them till there died of them much people none knoweth their number save almighty allah and among other stories of the malice of women continued the wazir i have heard tell o king one concerning the woman who made her husband sift dust a man once gave his wife a durham to buy rice so she took it and went to the rice seller who gave her the rice and began to jest with her and ogle her for she was dowered with beauty and loveliness saying rice is not good but with sugar which if thou wilt have come in with me for an hour so saying give me sugar she went in with him into his shop and he won his will of her and said to his slave weigh her out a durham's worth of sugar but he made the slave a privy sign and the boy taking the napkin in which was the rice 
emptied it out, and put in earth and dust in its stead, and for the sugar set stones, after which he again knotted up the napkin and left it by her. His object in doing this was that she should come to him a second time, so when she went forth of the shop he gave her the napkin and she took it, thinking to have in it rice and sugar, and ganged her gait. But when she returned home, and setting it before her husband, went for a cooking-pot, he found in it earth and stones. So, as soon as she came back bringing the pot, he said to her, Did I tell thee I had aught to build, that thou bringest me earth and stones? When she saw this, she knew that the rice-seller's slave had tricked her. So she said to her husband, O oh, man, in my trouble of mind for what hath befallen me, I went to fetch the sieve and brought the cooking-pot. What hath troubled thee? asked he. And she answered, O oh, husband, I dropped the durham thou gavest me in the market-street, and was ashamed to search for it before the folk. Yet I grudged to lose the silver, so I gathered up the earth from the place where it fell, and brought it away, thinking to sift it at home. Wherefore I went to fetch the sieve, but brought the cooking-pot instead. Then she fetched the sieve, and gave it to her husband, saying, Do thou sift it, for thine eyes are sharper than mine. Accordingly he sat, sifting the clay, till his face and beard were covered with dust and he discovered not her trick, neither knew what had befallen her. This then, O king, said the wazir, is an instance of the malice of women, and consider the saying of Allah Almighty, Surely the cunning of you women is great. And again, indeed the malice of Satan is weak in comparison with the malice of women. The king gave ear to his wazir's speech, and was persuaded thereby, and was satisfied by what he cited to him of the signs of Allah. And the lights of good counsel arose and shone in the firmament of his understanding, and he turned from his purpose of slaying his son. But on the fourth day the favorite came in to him weeping and wailing, and kissing the ground before him, said, O auspicious king and lord of good reed, I have made plainly manifest to thee my grievance, and thou hast dealt unjustly by me, and hast forborne to avenge me on him who hath wronged me, because he is thy son and the darling of thy heart. But Allah, extolled and exalted be he, will presently succor me against him, even as he succored the king's son against his father's wazir. And how was that? asked the king. And she answered, I have heard tell, O king, a tale of the enchanted string. There was once in times gone by a king who had one son and none other. And when the prince grew up to man's estate, he contracted him in marriage to another king's daughter. Now the damsel was a model of beauty and grace, and her uncle's son had sought her in wedlock of her sire, but she would none of him. So when he knew that she was to be married to another, 
envy and jealousy got hold of him and he bethought himself and sent a noble present to the wazir of the bridegroom's father and much treasure desiring him to use craft for slaying the prince or contrive to make him leave his intent of espousing the girl and adding o wazir indeed jealousy moveth me to this for she is my cousin the wazir accepted the present and sent an answer saying be of good cheer and of eyes cool and clear for i will do all that thou wishest presently the bride's father wrote to the prince bidding him to his capital that he might go in to his daughter whereupon the king his father gave him leave to wend his way thither sending with him the bribed wazir and a thousand horse besides presents and litters tents and pavilions the minister set out with the prince plotting the while in his heart to do him a mischief and when they came into the desert he called to mind a certain spring of running water in the mountains there called al-sara whereof whosoever drank from a man became a woman so he called a halt of the troops near the fountain and presently mounting steed again said to the prince hast thou a mind to go with me and look upon a spring of water near hand the prince mounted knowing not what should befall him in the future and they rode on unattended by any and without stopping till they came to the spring the prince being thirsty said to the wazir o oh, minister i am suffering from drouth and the other answered get thee down and drink of this spring so he alighted and washed his hands and drank when behold he straightway became a woman as soon as he knew what had befallen him he cried out and wept till he fainted away and the wazir came up to him as if to learn what had befallen him and cried what aileth thee so he told him what had happened and the minister feigned to condole with him and weep for his affliction saying allah almighty be thy refuge to thine affliction how came this calamity upon thee and this great misfortune to betide thee and we carrying thee with joy and gladness that thou mightest go into the king's daughter verily now i know not whether we shall go to her or not but the reed is thine what dost thou command me to do quoth the prince go back to my sire and tell him what hath betided me for i will not stir hence till this matter be removed from me or i die in my regret so he wrote a letter to his father telling him what had happened and the wazir took it and set out on his return to the city leaving what troops he had with the prince and inwardly exulting for the success of his plot as soon as he reached the king's capital he went in to him and telling him what had passed delivered the letter the king mourned for his son with sore mourning and sent for the wise men and masters of esoteric science that they might discover and explain to him this thing which had befallen his son but none could give him an answer then the wazir wrote to the lady's cousin 
conveying to him the glad news of the prince's misfortune and he when he read the letter rejoiced with great joy and thought to marry the princess and answered the minister sending him rich presents and great store of treasure and thanking him exceedingly meanwhile the prince abode by the stream three days and three nights eating not nor drinking and committing himself in his strait unto allah extolled and exalted be he who disappointeth not whoso relieth on him on the fourth night lo there came to him a cavalier on a bright bay steed with a crown on his head as he were of the sons of the kings and said to him who brought thee hither o youth the prince told him his mishap how he was wending to his wedding and how the wazir had led him to a spring whereof he drank and incurred what had occurred and as he spoke his speech was broken by tears having heard him the horseman pitied his case and said it was thy father's wazir who cast thee into this strait for no man alive save he knoweth of this spring presently adding mount thee behind me and come with me to my dwelling for thou art my guest this night acquaint me who thou art ere i fare with thee quoth the prince and quoth the other i am a king's son of the john as thou a king's son of mankind so be of good cheer and keep thine eyes clear of tear for i will surely do away thy cark and care and this is a slight thing unto me so the prince mounted him behind the stranger and they rode on leaving the troops from the first of the day till midnight when the king's son of the jinn asked the prince knowest thou how many days march we have covered in this time not i we have come a full year's journey for a diligent horseman the prince marvelled at this and said how shall i do to return to my people that is not thine affair but my business as soon as thou art quit of thy complaint thou shalt return to thy people in less than the twinkling of an eye for that is an easy matter to me when the prince heard these words he was ready to fly for excess of joy it seemed to him as he were in the embroglio of a dream and he exclaimed glory be to him who can restore the unhappy to happiness and shahrazad perceived the dawn of day and ceased saying her permitted say when it was the five hundred and eighty-third night she said it hath reached me o auspicious king that the prince of the jinns said to the prince of mankind when thou art quit of thy complaint thou shalt return to thy folk in less than the twinkling of an eye and the king's son rejoiced they fared on all that night till the morning morrowed when lo they found themselves in a green and smiling country full of trees spiring and birds quiring and garths fruit growing and palaces high showing and waters a-flowing and odoriferous flowers a-blowing here the king's son of the jinn alighted from his steed and bidding the prince do the like 
took him by the hand and carried him into one of the palaces, where he found a great king and puissant sultan, and abode with him all that day, eating and drinking till nightfall. Then the king's son of the jinn mounted his courser, and taking the prince up behind him, fared on swiftly through the murks and glooms until morning, when, lo, they found themselves in a dark land and a desert, full of black rocks and stones, as it were a piece of hell. And the prince asked the jinnee, "'What is the name of this land?' answered the other, "'It is called the Black Country, and belongs to one of the kings of the jinn, by name Zu'ul Janahan, against whom none of the other kings may prevail. Neither may any enter his dominions save by his permit. So tarry thou here whilst I go ask leave. So saying, he went away, and returning after a while, they fared on again, till they landed at a spring of water welling forth of a black rock. And the king's son of the jinn said to the king's son of men, a light. He dismounted, and the other cried, Drink of this water. So he drank of the spring without stay or delay, and no sooner had he done so than, by the grace of Allah, he became a man as before. At this he joyed with exceeding joy, and asked the jinnee, O oh, my brother, how is this spring called? answered the other. It is called the women's spring, for that no woman drinketh thereof, but she becometh a man. Wherefore do thou praise Allah the Most High, and thank him for thy restoration, and mount. So the prince prostrated himself in gratitude to the Almighty, after which he mounted again, and they fared on diligently all that day, till they returned to the jinnee's home where the prince passed the night in all solace of life. They spent the next day in eating and drinking till nightfall, when the king's son of the jinn asked the prince, Hast thou a mind to return to thy people this very night? Yes, he answered, for indeed I long for them. Then the jinnee called one of his father's slaves, Rajiz Hait, and said to him, Take this young man mounted on thy shoulders, and let not the day dawn, ere he be with his father-in-law and his wife. Replied the slave, Hearkening and obedience, and with love and gladness, and upon my head and eyes. Then, withdrawing a while, reappeared in the form of an ifrit. When the prince saw this, he lost his senses for a fright, but the jinnee said to him, Fear not. No harm shall befall thee. Mount thy horse, and leap him on to the Ifrit's shoulders. Nay, answered he, I will leave my horse with thee, and bestride his shoulders myself. So he bestrode the Ifrit's shoulders, and when the genie cried, Close thine eyes, O my lord, and be not craven, he strengthened his heart, and shut his eyes. Thereupon the Ifrit rose with him into the air, and ceased not to fly between sky and earth, whilst the prince was unconscious, nor was the last third of the night come before he alighted down with him 
on the terrace roof of his father-in-law's palace. Then said the Ifrit, Dismount and open thine eyes, for this is the palace of thy father-in-law and his daughter. So he came down, and the Ifrit flew away, and left him on the roof of the palace. When the day broke, and the prince recovered from his troubles, he descended into the palace, and as his father-in-law caught sight of him, he came to meet him, and marveled to see him descend from the roof of the palace, saying, We see folk enter by doors, but thou comest from the skies. Quoth the prince, Whatso Allah, may he be extolled and exalted, willeth, that cometh to pass. And he told him all that had befallen him, from first to last, whereat the king marveled and rejoiced in his safety, and as soon as the sun rose, bade his wazir make ready splendid bride-feasts. So did he, and they held the marriage festival, after which the prince went in unto his bride, and abode with her two months, then departed with her for his father's capital. As for the damsel's cousin, he died forthright of envy and jealousy. When the prince and his bride drew near his father's city, the king came out to meet them with his troops and wazirs, and so Allah, blessed and exalted be he, enabled the prince to prevail against his bride's cousin and his father's minister. And I pray the Almighty, added the damsel, to aid thee against thy wazirs, O king, and I beseech thee to do me justice on thy son. When the king heard this, he bade put his son to death. And Scheherazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased to say her permitted say. When it was the five hundred and eighty-fourth night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when the favorite had told her tale to the king, she said, I beseech thee to do me justice by putting thy son to death. Now this was the fourth day, so the fourth wazir entered, and kissing the ground before him said, Allah, establish and protect the king. O king, be deliberate in doing this thou art resolved upon, for the wise man doth not till he hath considered the issue thereof. And the proverb saith, Whoso looketh not to his action's end, hath not the world to friend and whoso acteth without consideration, there befalleth him what befell the hammam keeper with his wife. And what betided him? asked the king. And the wazir answered, I have heard tell, O king, a tale of the wazir's son and the hammam keeper's wife. There was once a bath-keeper to whom resorted the notables of the folk and head-men, and one day there came in to him a handsome youth of the sons of wazirs, who was fat and bulky of body. So he stood to serve him, and when the young man put off his clothes, he saw not his yard, for that it was hidden between his thighs, by reason of the excess of his fat and there appeared thereof but what was like unto a filbert. 
at this the bath-keeper fell a lamenting and smiting hand upon hand which when the youth saw he said to him what ails thee o bath-keeper to lament thus and he answered saying o my lord my lamentation is for thee because thou art in sore straits for all thy fair fortune and goodliness and exceeding comeliness seeing thou hast not wherewithal to do and receive delight like unto other men quoth the youth thou sayest sooth but thou mindest me of somewhat i had forgotten what is that asked the bath-keeper and the youth answered take this gold piece and fetch me a pretty woman that i may prove my nature on her so he took the money and betaking himself to his wife said to her o woman there is come to me in the bath a young man of the sons of the wazirs as he were the moon on the fullest night but he hath no prickle like other men for that which he hath is but some small matter like unto a filbert i lamented over his youth and he gave me this dinar and asked me to fetch him a woman on whom he might approve himself now thou art worthier of the money than another and from this no harm shall betide us for i will protect thee so do thou sit with him a while and laugh at him and take this dinar from him so the good wife took the dinar and rising adorned herself and donned the richest of her raiment now she was the fairest woman of her time then she went out with her husband and he carried her into the wazir's son in a privy place when she came into him she looked at him and finding him a handsome youth fair of favour as he were the moon at full was confounded at his beauty and loveliness and on likewise his heart and wit were amazed at the first sight of her and the sweetness of her smile so he rose forthright and locking the door took the damsel in his arms and pressed her to his bosom and they embraced whereupon the young man's yard swelled and rose on end as it were that of a jackass and he rode upon her breast and futtered her whilst she sobbed and sighed and writhed and wriggled under him now the bath-keeper was standing behind the door awaiting what should be tied between them and he began to call her saying o oh, um abdillah enough come out for the day is long upon thy sucking child quoth the youth go forth to thy boy and come back but quoth she if i go forth from thee my soul will depart my body as regards the child so i must either leave him to die of weeping or let him be reared an orphan without a mother so she ceased not to abide with him till he had done his desire of her ten times running while her husband stood at the door calling her and crying out and weeping and imploring succor but none came to aid him and he ceased not to do thus saying i will slay myself till at last finding no way of access to his wife and being distraught with rage and jealousy to hear her sighing and murmuring and breathing hard under the young man he went up to the top of the bath and casting himself down therefrom died 
Moreover, O king, continued the wazir, there hath reached me another story of the malice of women. What is that? asked the king. And the wazir said, Know, O king, that it is anent the wife's device to cheat her husband. There was once a woman who had no equal in her day for beauty and loveliness and grace and perfection, and a certain lewd youth and an obscene setting eyes on her fell in love with her and loved her with exceeding passion. But she was chaste and inclined not to adultery. It chanced one day that her husband went on a journey to a certain town, whereupon the young man fell to sending to her many times a day, but she made no reply. At last he resorted to an old woman who dwelt hard by, and after saluting her he sat down and complained to her of his sufferings for love of the woman and his longing to enjoy her. Quoth she, I will warrant thee this, no harm shall befall thee, for I will surely bring thee to thy desire, inshallah, and it please Allah the Most High. At these words he gave her a dinar and went his way. When the morning morrowed, she appeared before the woman, and renewing an old acquaintance with her, fell to visiting her daily, eating the undertime with her and the evening meal, and carrying away food for her children. Moreover, she used to sport and jest with her till the wife became corrupted and could not endure an hour without her company. Now she was wont, when she left the lady's house, to take bread and fat, wherewith she mixed a little pepper, and to feed a bitch that was in that quarter. And thus she did day by day till the bitch became fond of her and followed her wherever she went. One day she took a cake of dough, and putting therein an overdose of pepper, gave it to the bitch to eat, whereupon the beast's eyes began to shed tears for the heat of the pepper, and she followed the old woman weeping. When the lady saw this she was amazed and asked the ancient, O oh, my mother, what ails this bitch to weep? Answered she, Learn, O oh, my heart's love that hers is a strange story. Know that she was once a close friend of mine, a lovely and accomplished young lady, a model of comeliness and perfect grace. A young Nazarene of the quarter fell in love with her, and his passion and pining increased on him till he took to his pillow, and he sent to her times manifold, begging her to have compassion on him and show him mercy, but she refused albeit I gave her good counsel, saying, O oh, my daughter, have pity on him, and be kind, and consent to all he wisheth. She gave no heed to my advice, until the young man's patience failing him, he complained at last to one of his friends, who cast an enchantment on her, and changed her human shape into canine form. When she saw what transformation had befallen her, and that there was none to pity her case save myself. She came to my house and began to fawn on me and buss my hands and feet and whine and shed tears till I recognized her and said to her, How often did I not warn thee? But my advice profited thee not. 
and Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased saying her permitted say. End of section 18. Recording by M. J. Frank, Portland, Oregon.